your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday afternoon of Lacrosse Talk PM. That's why it's called PM. I think I said that because I was on Lacrosse Talk, which is not called AM, but I was on Lacrosse Talk this morning. So I'm doing round two today. And the big story from the morning is that it's going to snow. <laughs> but not really just like, eh, it's going to snow a little bit. It seems like it's going to snow a lot. And north of here, it's going to snow even more. So that's pretty interesting. It's Or it's not at all. And we live in Wisconsin, and we live in the Midwest, so we should be used to the snow. But every time it snows, I mean, it's going to snow possibly a foot. So, uh, And that could affect voting tomorrow. We have... Uh, primary elections tomorrow a couple of things on the ballot for people in the lacrosse school district a couple of things on the ballot for people in i think district two if i remember right and obviously there's a wisconsin maybe not obviously that's kind of why the voter turnout is so sad in these spring elections and then even sadder is it sadder or more sad sadder in the primaries, but the Wisconsin Supreme Court election is on the ballot. Four candidates there. We're going to talk to Jenny Dinkmeyer, the Lacrosse County clerk, in in just a couple of minutes and try to learn a little bit about how, her job, how voting's going to go tomorrow, her prediction for voter turnout possibly, and what time we could expect to see the results with the school board race in the, in the Lacrosse School District, uh, the District 2 City Council race. So we have, we have nine candidates in the school board race and three candidates. So nine candidates in the school board race, we've got to cut it down to eight. So one person will be kicked off. And then in the city council race, there's three candidates, so one person also kicked off. And in the Supreme Court race, we have four candidates, and the top two will move on. And, uh, yeah, so we'll get those results. You can check out Wisdom News tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Jenny's been doing, she's been the city clerk for about 12 years now, so this is nothing new, though. The uh, her job, and we'll talk to her about it. Ask her about it. Just her job has changed over that time in in regards to the rules when it comes to voting, and not so much a story about rules or what's going to affect your voting tomorrow. But uh, a judge did make a ruling on a couple of things that are go on that will go on the ballot for the April election, so the end of this election cycle. Uh, just these Republican questions about bail reform and then about just going after poor people who are on welfare. Um, and the questions will probably pass overwhelmingly. And one of them is, well, two, one of them is two questions. And those questions are going to change the Wisconsin state constitution uh, just on bail reform. But if you, if you read the questions and you can kind of decipher them, and you, and we've talked about it before, but you'll kind of you kind of go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's how all these questions are worded. I think we had the uh, tourism tax on the Lacrosse County ballot a couple, well, maybe some years ago now. But if you read that question, you're like, yeah, tourism tax, let's do it. Let's let's tax them tourists. And and 
what you find out is, oh, no, it's just taxing yourself, just adding a, a tax to yourself. But the questions are always worded so funny to to kind of get you to vote the, the way that maybe whoever's putting the question on the ballot wants you to vote. Uh, La Crosse County has an abortion question on the ballot. Uh, that one also seems like people should be like, yeah, because Wisconsin's abortion law is 174 years old. Uh, came before women had the right to vote. Came one year after the state became a state. So uh, it seems pretty obvious that mm, yeah, if we're going to vote on this, we should just yes. Like, but the the problem with that is the the county referendum is non-binding. Also, a conversation we've had multiple times in and uh, a conversation that was pretty big right before the last election. Should Wisconsin move to where you put something on? the ballot, like these voting questions should the, the public can put them on the ballot. And then the legislature would have to abide by whatever the public says. However, the public votes on those questions. Um, I'm indifferent there because when something goes on the ballot, a, the wording, right? Like how is it worded? B the, the amount of, measures that go on the ballot. I, I think California always has a lot of them and then see the turnout. So do we want in the turnout question? I, I go back and forth on, cause I start thinking about it. Do we want 20% of the population voting on something that the legislature would then have to pass it and make law? But on the flip side, we're already doing that because we're getting 20% turnout and those people are electing officials that go and then change the laws anyway. So we might as well just have the population's vote uh, make the laws versus, you know, electing these people with 20, 18, 20%. Well, and we'll talk to Jenny Dinkmar here in a minute uh, about, about turnout. So 608-785-7914 is the talking text line if you want to get in here. Bottom half of the hour is a great time to do that. Because we're just going to be ranting and raving here about the election, about a couple of other things I see at wisdomnews.com. Um, and uh, so, yeah, if you want to call, I would say the, the bottom half of the hour is the best time to do that. But Joe's calling now, so we, we won't make Joe stay on hold. Joe, go ahead. You're on the air, man. Joe. Hey, how's it going today? Hey, good. Hey, a couple of points. Uh, you know, when you said uh, Republicans going after poor people, I mean, we have to stop these talking points. You obviously know that Republicans aren't up, uh, you know, going to work being like, how can we attack poor people? It might seem like that on the surface, and that's a fun talking point if you're a Democrat, but you know it's not the truth. Do you see any ballot the measures going is, after rich people on the ballot? Do you see any questions? Should we require rich people to take drug tests to get tax breaks? Something like that. Do you ever see that on the ballot? I, I can't speak to what's on the ballot or what's not. I don't have the authority to move things ahead on what's going to get voted on. You I don't, think that's a tired talking point is my first point. You the don't know what's on the ballot? Make, Rick, you don't know what's on the ballot? The second point I want to make, Rick, is that, uh, first of all, having to make I'm not a woman, but having to make the choice to have an abortion has got to be one of the most heart-wrenching, just craziest decisions that a woman would ever have to make. I don't understand why we have to push this into the background and be like, well, we don't have money for raising kids, so go ahead and abort. Why don't we make our legislation that says you have to have this, you have to bring this life to term. We can't kill a life, but you are going to have the support there that you need 
in order to nurture this life and raise this life. Uh, we can no longer just say, well, this person's poor, so the best thing to do is to kill the fetus. Okay, so you think poor women... You think moving money towards... <laughs> All right, so you know what... Are you gonna, have life so you think women that are poor that get pregnant are just like, eh, bleep it, I'm going to abort this baby. No, I, I think that the way the laws are set up is, well, you know, we can't get you any financial help. It's going to be a terrible situation, so we might as well kill the fetus. And it's like, that's terrible. Okay, you know, so people are, people are going to have sex. That's human nature. We need to set up a support system that can help these mothers with these children that don't have any other choice but to have an abortion. We need to bring these babies into the world, but help these mothers and help these children. Don't expect them to do it on their own, and don't expect them to just make the decision to get an abortion because they can't afford a child. That's, that's horrible circumstances for the mother. All right, uh, Joe, i got to let you go. i got to go to break. Uh, you're taking one factor. <laughs> a woman is poor, and it's going to be hard for her to, to raise a baby. That's, that's one minute factor in, in the whole scope of why people have abortions. Uh, but I can't, I'm not, I'm not prepared to, to deep dive into it right now because I got to go to break. When we come back, Jenny Dinkmeyer, the lacrosse county clerk. All right. Welcome back to lacrosse talk PM. I'm Rick Solom on the phone with me now is Jenny Dinkmeyer. She's gearing up for a primary election. She's our lacrosse county clerk. She's been doing that for a dozen years and she's been with the county since 2007. How are you, Jenny? I am well. Okay, so obviously a primary election tomorrow. What is today like for you? Is it hectic or is it kind of, the primary is a little bit like a, a warm-up? Um, no, the day before any election is always the same. It's kind of the calm before the storm. We're doing our final testing, um, getting the, the clerks are out there, getting the polls ready. We're um, just finalizing last-minute details, make sure we got our security plans in place, our contingency plans in place. So um, I like to call it it's just the calm before the storm. All right. Uh, and then what's the day like tomorrow for you? Um, tomorrow starts early. I'll be up and ready to go, making sure the clerks have their polling places ready to go. If they have any problems with their machines or anything else, I'll be fielding calls from them. Um, and then we just wait for the polls to open and the first ballots to go through the machine. And, and then hopefully the rest of the day it's quiet and I don't hear much from the clerks. That means we're having a good day. Polls open at what time? 7 a.m. 7 a.m. and close at? At 8 p.m., as long as you're in line by 8 p.m., you'll have an opportunity to cast your ballot. And our clerk gets up at what time to, to uh, quote-unquote, punch in for work? Um, I, I'm up at 5 a.m. Municipal clerks, they're probably at the polls about 6 o'clock, getting everything set up, ready to go, getting the machines turned on, uh, making sure their poll workers are there. If someone's sick or doesn't show up, they're getting um, replacement poll workers there. So it, it's a long day for us, but, you know, it's kind of, you know, our Super Bowl. Election Day is, is the clerk's Super Bowl. And and you have and you have all kinds of volunteers and and that working, you know, all over in all the voting areas, right? Yeah, all the polling places have um, poll workers that come in and work for them. Most of them do get paid, so it's not always volunteer. There are a few that get volunteered, but um, I think for February primary, there are probably a fewer fewer poll workers than what we would see at a bigger April election or like a November election. Okay, so the question I always ask you when this stuff comes up, and I'll have to talk to you again in two months, can you predict? The voter turnout, I mean, the voter turnout's been kind of inching up, but this is a weird, it's a, it's nonpartisan, it's a, it's a primary, it's, you know, the, the weather is, well, the weather shouldn't be too bad by uh, tomorrow, but um, yeah, I, I don't know, what's your prediction? 
Um, you know, I used to be pretty good at predicting turnout and the political climate lately. It just makes it very um, challenging to predict what type of turnout we have. Obviously, ironic as it is, the weather does play a part in voter turnout. Um, you know, a lot of times we hear there's a lot of commercials. We hear a lot of hype about the candidates in this primary. But in the end, we just don't see people going to the polls to vote in primaries. They tend to wait till the April election. With that being said, I think tomorrow we'll have a higher turnout than what we typically see for a February primary, but I don't think we're going to be setting any records by any means. All right, so you didn't give me a number, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, purposely I didn't. <laughs> you purposely. Well, what, can you, can um, you tell know, me what a... We have a, a, a good primary. We, we get between like an 18 and 20% turnout. So I, I would guess we're going to be around that 20% turnout. I think some of the districts that may have the lacrosse school district or that city council race, they may have a, a little bit higher turnout, but um, I, higher than typical. But I don't think, you know, like I said, we're not going to be setting any records. Yeah, we only have in, in La Crosse County. And so the, the La Crosse School District has a school board primary. Uh, District 2 in the city council has a primary. There's three candidates there. I think there's nine school board candidates. And then the big. So do you do you do you take into account when you're when you're trying to think about, uh, you know, how hectic is my day going to be? I mean, the the the. The news from the Wisconsin Supreme Court race is this is a nation. The whole nation has its eyes on this thing. So do you take into account anything like that when you're trying to, okay, well, we'll see how hectic this gets? Yeah, you take that into account. Um, where we really have to take that into account is when we're ordering our ballots um, quantities, and that was actually done a month ago. Um, you know, if we think we're going to have a high turnout, we're obviously going to order more ballots. We'd rather have more ballots than running out. Obviously, we have our express vote machines now, so if we run out of ballots, we have that as a backup. But, yeah, we take into um, consideration how hotly contested these races are. And if we think, you know, a lot of money is going to be dumped into them or there's going to be um, some things going on, that then we tend to order a little bit higher in ballot quantities to, to prepare for a higher turnout. Now, do you know how many absentee ballots have been turned in at this point? I know you can't count them, but can you, you can't, you know, count the votes, but do you know how many ballots are in? There's two different ways to count them, I guess. No, I have not looked at that number yet. I know the Wisconsin Election Commission has a report on their website that says how many absentee ballots have been turned in for um, either the county, the state, or your municipalities, and I just haven't gone online to that to, to look at those numbers yet. Oh, okay. Do you, at, at some point, you must have known how many you mailed out, though, right? You had to lick a lot of stamps, I'm sure. Well, absentee <laughs> voting is done at the municipal clerk level, so they're the ones that take care of all that voting. Um, the county clerk's office doesn't deal with the actual absentee voting and mailing those absentee ballots out. But, yeah, enough absentee ballots went out. We have, like, a lot of the indefinitely confined. We have people that are now signing up for the April ballots get, and also getting February ballots. So um, <clears throat> there was definitely enough that were sent out for sure. How how much has your job changed or maybe the way voting is handled changed, you know, maybe what, in the last seven seven years, eight years? Yeah, um, man, we were just talking about that the other day. The, everything has changed. Can you say it's really the same? It's the same that you go to the polls and you vote on a ballot, but the security has changed, what's required of poll workers to change. You know, election laws are constantly changing. Some of those election laws are changing, you know, just weeks before the election comes up. So it's something that's constantly changing. We're constantly having to educate ourselves on that. We're constantly doing training to make sure the clerks and the poll workers are up to speed on the latest changes so they're aware of what the laws are. We're enforcing them properly. Um, so can I say it's the same as what we did, you know, eight or ten years ago? Absolutely not. 
other than you still go to the polls, you still get a ballot, you still mark the ballot, and we still count it. Yeah, and and your job has gotten a lot harder, I guess, because all the changes. First of all, you have to get you have to know those secondhand, right? They have like the back of your hand, I should say. You have to know those, and then you have to relay all that information to people who are probably probably new at every election, right? You probably have some returners, but you probably have new people that you have to get up to speed as well. Yeah, we try to do training before every election. So if there's new poll workers, they're up to speed on the processes. Um, if there's returning poll workers, we try to give them refresher training. Or if laws have changed, we try to do that. But, yeah, it's it's definitely something we try to stay up on. Every time there's law changes, we make sure we get it out to not only the clerks and the poll workers, but we want the public and the citizens who are going to go vote, they want them to know the changes, too. So if they go to the polling place and something's not the same as it was before, we want them to understand why or if something is different, if they need to bring something different different to the polls to vote. We want to make sure they're aware of that as well. Has anything changed heading into this primary or heading into, or do you anticipate anything changing into the April election? Um, nothing has changed as far as I'm concerned um, with the February primary. I think we're kind of status quo as far as we go. Will anything change before the April election? Well, that's yet to be determined. <laughs> we still have a, a, a month and a half before that election comes up and we We'll have to wait and see what the legislators do on that one. Is there any anticipation that something might change? or Do you see anything there? I don't see anything changing. Okay. But again, something can be popped up really quick. So because we'll just have to wait and see. Because last election, weren't there, wasn't there? When when was the last like big change that happened weeks before election? I feel like it wasn't that long ago. Um, I know there was the big change last year. I believe it happened right before the April election where it outlawed um, drop boxes. Mm-hmm. So you no longer could return your ballot via a drop box. You had to return it directly to the clerk of the polling place. Um, I know they updated the laws regarding whether you could fill in missing witness address if it wasn't fully filled in. So, you know, those are probably two of the bigger election law changes that affect not only the municipal clerk and poll workers, but the voters themselves. All right. So when people come to vote tomorrow, first of all, just generally, I don't, I haven't, I don't have a ballot. I'm going to come to the polls. What do they need to do? So they should, first thing they should do is check the myvote.wi.gov. That's going to let them know if they're registered to vote. Um, if they're not registered to vote, it'll give you information what you need to do to register to vote when you go to the polls, which means you have to bring proof of residency with you. You need to bring acceptable photo ID. My vote will also show you what's going to be on your ballot. Um, everybody in the county will have the Supreme Court race. Keep in mind, just because there's all this talk about how two candidates are moving on to April, but you only get to vote for one. Just because two move on does not mean you vote for two. You only get to vote for one. Um, so keep that in mind when you go to the polls. Um, polls open at 7. They close at 8 p.m. Make sure you bring an acceptable photo ID with you so you can get your ballot at the polls. Oh, okay. So when you're voting for a Wisconsin, one of the four candidates for the Wisconsin Supreme Court, you're only voting for one? You're only going to vote for one. Okay. Um, the same thing with the La Crosse School District. There's nine people on the ballot, but you only get to vote for four eight of those will move on to the April election. So just make sure you're paying attention to what the vote for number is, and that's how many you're voting for so you don't overvote your ballot. Can you undervote on the school board race? You can undervote. If you only are familiar with two or three of those candidates and that's all you want to vote for, then that's absolutely acceptable. You don't need to vote for all four people. All right, and then last thing, we're speaking with Ginny Dinkmeyer, the La Crosse County Clerk here. Um, I have an absentee ballot. I haven't given it i haven't turned it in yet do i have to go inside and and hand it to somebody is there is there a drop box i can put it outside the our my voting place no um drop boxes have all been blocked off you can't use those so at this point um your best bet is to return it to the polling place on election day hand it directly to a poll worker um, and then they'll make sure that ballot gets processed and counted
Okay, so the poll worker, you don't put it in the machine at that point? They they will? They will put it in the machine themselves because they will look at the absentee certificate envelope. They'll make sure that an absentee ballot was actually issued to you and that you didn't create one in the background somewhere at your house and bring it in. Um, they'll make sure that you didn't vote already and an absentee ballot hasn't already been returned to you. Um, and then once they know it's cleared and safe, then they'll process that absentee ballot. They'll open it up and then they'll put it through the machine to be counted. All right. And then last thing before I let you go, what time do you think we will know some of these results or all the results, I suppose? Um, now that we have modems, we tend to get the results in a little bit earlier. Um, I expect we start to get the first results between 8.30. A bulk of the results will be in by 9. Um, and I think realistically by 10 o'clock, we'll probably have most of the results posted for La Crosse County. And then what time will our county clerk ha- have her head on her pillow tomorrow? Um, it's still late night, even though we have all the results and there's still lots of work we need to do. We have clerks bringing in their returns. So um, if my head is on my pillow before 1 a.m., I'm going to call it a good night. Okay. That's Lacrosse County Clerk Jenny Dakemeyer. Thanks so much, Jenny. Thank you. All right. We'll be back after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914. The talking text line. Opening that up, I'm uh, I'm tab heavy today. I got about 65 tabs open, and then the computer doesn't load them all. Then you got to restart the computer and start all over again. I'm also trying to read a Washington Post story, which is behind a paywall, and then it wants my email address, so I put my email address in. And then it goes, "You have already signed up for the Washington Post, so go to your email and confirm the the thing and and then it'll let you so then i try to go to my email and then i have to do like two two step verification and uh that means i have to go to my phone and then go to the computer and then i'm just not going to read the washington post article on child labor (laughs) i was reading these child labor stories and these uh this uh meat packing uh or a cleaning company in wisconsin using kids illegally to uh clean meat packing plants it's just kind of ridiculous uh, so I have some notes on that there. Um, but uh, thanks again to La Crosse County Clerk, Ginny Dinkmeyer. I want, sometimes I want to say city clerk because the city has a, a clerk as well, kind of doing the same thing. But Ginny uh, Dinkmeyer is spending some time with us. It sounds like I made her give us a prediction. So 20% turnout is always kind of the prediction for these things. I, I don't know. It's a Wisconsin Supreme Court race primary so this is a little bit different because of the primary. So it's it's hard to hard to understand if if and there's there's just been a lot of talk about this. We've spent multiple shows, we've had multiple podcasts on this. Um, the, the with this with the Wisconsin Supreme Court race on the ballot. There's even there's a couple stories as well going even be you know even now heading into the primary. A couple of different stories. Uh, one just focusing on abortion rights. Or women's right to choose, if you want to call it that. Um, another one was just that the one of the the candidates, Dan Kelly, worked for Republicans, or Republicans paid him, uh, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> um, but that's not the only thing on the ballot. And there's a there's a school board race. So the other things on the ballot are a little bit more. I, I would say they're a little bit more complicated when it comes to your local elections, because these are supposed to be nonpartisan, but I think the, the local elections are more a more important and b more complicated as weird as that seems. There's a school board race on the ballot. So how do you, how, and there's nine people running and four will get, will get elected. 
and we'll just we'll kick one of these nine people off tomorrow, and then we'll go f- four out of the next eight. And if you think about the lacrosse school board, it's been you know in the news quite a bit, or the lacrosse school district, I should say. The referendum last ballot, one hundred ninety four point seven million dollar high school, probably probably one of the worst times in the history of. <laughs> the hit in history to propose. I mean, maybe during the Great Depression would have been a great time to propose the biggest uh, referendum in the state. Maybe, but uh, not not great timing there to propose a br- building a brand new high school. Also, kind of funny wording. Like we want to consolidate buildings, so by doing that, we're going to build a new building. I understand the the thought process behind it, but it was it it is just kind of funny optics. We have way too many buildings, so let's build this new one. <laughs> But then what what do we do with the other ones? So uh, we've already ruled, the board already ruled to close one of those buildings um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what was it? Lincoln Middle School, right? Kind of close to downtown. So that building's going to be closed. But um, that building's 100 years old, too. So I get the dilemma the school district has. And we, as the state sits on $7.1 billion in funding uh, for over a year, the the state of Wisconsin's had a budget surplus. It's it's now grown. It's probably it was around three, and then it was four, and then I don't know if I don't know like the exact timeline because it did it, it did it jump from three to five, and now it's seven point one billion dollars. And before Evers was elected, right before Evers was elected, we used some of that budget surplus money, and we by we I mean Republicans use some of that money to give parents with children under 18 and under $100 right before an election. And uh, that was budget surplus money some, what, four plus, a little over four years ago. And uh, since then, we haven't used any of the budget surplus money, and now it's $7.1 billion. But anyway, Kent is calling in. Kent, go ahead. You're on the air. Rick, how the heck you doing, my friend? I'm all right. Yeah, well, $7.1 billion, that's, that's a lot of money, but give people a hundred bucks before an election that anyway that's not why i'm calling but there's another thing on the ballot tomorrow about folks that don't have children that are physically able to work that's can't hold up that's not on the ballot tomorrow but it is on the ballot in april okay that's the april ballot but you're right it's on the ballot go ahead but how do you feel about that i mean my wife was on unemployment and she had to look for four jobs a week yeah, you know, it, she's physically able to work. I think these folks should get out and look for jobs and go to work. Yeah, the question's worded in a way where you're going to go, yes, of course, they should have to <laughs> look for jobs to get to get unemployment benefits. But you already said right. it, Kent, right? Your wife already, your, she had to already do that. Right. She had to look for four jobs a week while on unemployment. Well, same thing with SNAP or welfare benefits. If you're physically able to work, it should be like unemployment. You have to apply for jobs. If you don't apply, then you don't get your benefits. Right. Uh, I, I think the difference there is then you might not eat. <laughs> so there, versus versus other things like getting getting food stamps is different than getting unemployment checks. Right. It's a little bit different. Like one is 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 helping you eat. One's a little bit less money too. So. But yeah, the question's worded in a way. But it, but it's also just a question going after poor people who are in a tough spot as well. But it makes sense, right? right? Like, hey, if you're... So are, if hey, you don't so have a, are people on unemployment, they're in a tough spot. They're only getting 300 bucks a week. Yeah, you know, that, paying your rent and your utilities and all that stuff. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone. I don't. I, well, it'll be well. It'll be interesting to see where where that where that ballot measure goes. That that ballot question goes. Uh, but it, again, it's just a thing that you you read it and you go, yeah. If I'm on unemployment, I should be required. Or if I'm getting food stamps, or if I'm what was that? There's a third one. I, I off the top of my head, I forget. Um, I should be required to look for a job. Seems fairly simple, and it'll pass. That that measure will pass, but we put these measures on the ballot. That and that measure has no teeth. It's just one to that that I think Republicans put on the ballot, and then it's a good gauge. Look, we 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 polled the state. The state said this, so then we'll put it on. We'll make it a law. That's how that's going to go. They need justification to make it a law, but they never do that for other things. Legalizing marijuana. That stuff passes overwhelmingly in every county that it goes on a non-binding referendum. It's it's done so here, I think in 2018. Uh, abortion, that's going on the ballot. So if if the, the, and the it's going on the county ballot, but the the Republicans in the state didn't put abortion rights on the ballot, but they did put going after poor people on welfare. So and Governor Tony Evers proposed, hey, can we put the 1849 law? On abortion, you know, should we change that law? Could we put that on the ballot? And Republicans said, no, we we get to decide what's going on the ballot, and we're going to go after poor people who are on welfare, and we're going to go, uh, we're going to go after bail reform. Bail reform too is 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 something that I, it, that one is a little more complicated. It's also a constitution change, and there's two questions I believe, and the questions are rather. Not as easy to read, but I think if you kind of, if you think about them after a while, you go, yeah, that sounds perfectly reasonable, public safety, and um, I, I can pull up the questions here in a second. I think I have them somewhere, but you, you get done and you, and you read them and you go, yeah, those, that sounds perfectly reasonable. So um, here they are. The, uh, the two questions on bail reform, conditions of release before conviction shall Section 8.2 of Article 1 of the Constitution be amended to allow a court to impose on an accused person being released before conviction conditions that are designed to protect the community from serious harm? Yeah. Why not? Of course. <laughs> like this is plain and simple. Uh, the second one is cash bail before conviction. Shall Section 8.2 of Article 1 of the Constitution be amended to allow a court to impose cash bail on a person accused of violent crime based on the totality of the circumstances, including the accused's previous convictions for a violent crime, the probability that the accused will fail to appear, the need to protect the community from serious harm and prevent witness intimidation, and potential affirmative defense. And you're going to look at that and you go, oh, yeah, the need to protect the community? Yeah, the witness intimidation, potential affirmative defense? Uh that might the person might even not even appear. Yes, we need to impose these these things on this person. Uh, and it gives and it gives the judge a little bit more responsibility. I think judges. We'll talk about this uh, in the next coming. These these questions are on the April ballot, so we can talk about these in more detail. Um, talk to the DA about it. I've asked about uh, getting a judge to talk to me about these. Um, but yeah, so the questions the questions are worded in a way that you're you're just going to vote yes. Okay. 
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple minutes left here. Coming up tomorrow on the show, I believe I'm going to talk to you, Lacrosse County Emergency Management. Uh, stories trickling out after that Ohio train derailment now, which was I feel like it was a little, maybe two weeks ago or so. Um, but but we have stories now. It's it's becoming a little bit more of a news issue. As it, like, like right away, there was if you if you follow certain social media, you probably you probably saw stories about it. But but it didn't make national news until uh, maybe a, a week later. But now, and, and you kind of have to hunt for it if you're a person that runs a news website and you have to put stories, the the local stories we get. But I got to go get the national stories. And if you go to the the head page of the Associated Press. Ohio is a tiny little town in Ohio where people are struggling because a bunch of chemicals got put into the ground and then the groundwater. That's not front and center on the uh, on the website. You have to kind of go find it. It would be interesting if that train derailment happened in a big city. But we're going to talk to Lacrosse County Emergency Management about a little bit about that, like what happens in their and from their perspective, what happens if a train derails. Obviously, we have trains here all the time right and and of course we run them right up and down the river which i get logistically at back of the day that was probably the easiest way to put a train rail railroads also they get the best real estate in the country like hey you we get all the mississippi river real estate so nobody can live right next to the river um and then you know if a train derails it only just contaminates all the water but we're doing that anyway with a bunch of other stuff so why bother right um, but yeah, if this if this train derailment happened in on the outskirts, like in a in New York, or uh, you know, I don't I don't know the logistics of tra- trains going through New York City, but you know, just imagine if if something like that happened uh, in a bigger city, like Milwaukee, let's say, if it just if if like fifty thousand people or a million people were affected by this huge plume of like burning vinyl chloride. Then it gets, seeps into to uh, a the air, the ground, the water, uh, and it, and it affects more than this tiny little town in Ohio. Then what happens? 